This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let me know when you feel. What happened to Olivia Wilde's dog? We finally know because the dog walker's talking. We'll tell you what that means in just a moment. Here as we kick off the second hour of the Colleen and Bradley show. I'm the Bradley. Colleen will be back on Monday. Holly's here. Mike's here. You guys, Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis. We've been talking about him for weeks. Uh, well, mostly we were talking about Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. But now now it's all about uh, Olivia versus Jason. Because remember, she had a salad dressing. Mm. I can't keep up with Well, remember people. the nanny talked to the Daily Mail. I can't keep up Unleashing this onslaught of celebrity gossip juicy nuggets. Well, one of the anecdotes we learned from said nanny was that Olivia Wilde rehomed her dog because she was so smitten with Harry Styles. She couldn't keep her paws off him. <laughs> but, Woof. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a while to get there. Uh, so, it's Friday. It's Don't Friday, worry about it. So, um, uh, th- so that was an anecdote. And it was like, wow, she really is. If if that's true, that's sad that she would rehome her dog because her man. Although I feel like there are a few women out there who would rehome their dog for Harry Styles. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I mean, what about a husband? <laughs> okay, we'll both be here all night. Sorry, Mike. Um. So we learned that, but now, according to this article written by the anonymous dog walker in Gawker, we now know what actually happened. Or at least we know from the dog walker's perspective what had happened. Great. So what does this dog walker have to uh, say to Gawker? Okay, first of all, basically, that just uh, one day they showed up and were like, or, or texted like, sorry, no more dog walks. So Aww. we're talking about a dog named Gordon. Aww. That is Gordon uh, Sudeikis Wild. Or Gordon Wild Sudeikis. I'm not sure what his official last name was. But uh, she talks about how in the fall, and actually, no, she does uh, refer to herself. Oh, look at the doggy. I know, the doggy is oh. so cute. The doggy is so Adorable, cute. little Gordon. Oh. So she says, in the fall of 2020, I showed up at 8 a.m., but I want you to hear the pros, okay? So this is how the dog walker... I thought this was going to be an interview on Gawker. No, she penned this article. Quote, in the fall of 2020, I showed up at 8 a.m. to an unassuming Silver Lake home to meet Gordon. I was informed by the dog walking company I worked for that he would be brought out to me by some kind of nanny. I knocked, nanny, I knocked, waited, and knocked some more. Texting with my boss, I learned there was some confusing back and forth with the client causing the delay. Standard dog drama. Waiting, I paced around in my decaying Ross dress for less at leisure, weathered around the crotch to Megan's law-level sheerness over the course of my year-long dog-walking career. So, like, I think she's a frustrated writer looking for work. Uh, yes, you can ding that for sure. Okay, let me do that. I gotta find my ding. I mean, right. you know what? Adding the uh, 
the Ross Dress for Less uh, just adds a touch to it the does, narrative. It's just like a sousson. <laughs> Continue. A uh, sousson. A frisson. Of, you got to use one of them French words. Anyway, um, so long story short, she meets, she actually met Jason today because he had the dog. And uh, he said um, uh, that she didn't bond with him. She bonded with the dog. Gordon was a silly, stupid golden retriever mix. Mm. He was the kind of ageless dog who could have been six or 60. He wore a harness that barely contained his beefy, bumbling form. She said, hefty, I read beefy. He started fights with other dogs, so I braced for the worse. I had walked dogs who bullied me, threatened me, slandered me. But Gordon wasn't like that. At a risk of using the he was always nice to me defense. My experience can best be likened to this Lindsay Lohan quote from 2017. No. And then she does the Lindsay Lohan defense of Harvey Weinstein quote. Oof. Anyway, Oof, this moral, is a lot. it's a lot. Girl got paid by the word. Yep. Anyway, I wanted to say that ultimately she says one day she just woke up to a text that was like no more Gordon walks. That's sad. It's really sad. But it also Aww, lines Gordon. up with it lines up with the uh story that he was allegedly rehomed so that Jason Sudeikis's ex, who she refers to as Jason Sudeikis's ex, she never refers to her as Olivia Wilde in this piece. Well, and the, the writer of this piece has remained anonymous, so yeah. we don't know the name of the dog walker. Exactly. Because, I mean, do you want to get caught up in this mess? No, but if you get paid by the word, Thank you. get a little messy. She, you don't know it wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until this week, she says, that I learned Gordon was allegedly rehomed so that Jason's ex could allegedly fully enjoy her time with a man many years his junior. Gordon wasn't even Jason Sudeikis's dog. He was hers until he suddenly wasn't. That explained Jason's air of indifference, even resentment toward the big sweet baby that I knew uh, I hadn't imagined. While big Hollywood meetings raged on, Gordon was at best an afterthought and maybe even a reminder that a fake dandy was spinning his fiance's watermelon sugar. Kudos to you, girl. I hope that, I mean... <laughs> I hope that you're entering all of those nickel fellowship <laughs> contests for your screenplay. I mean, it was a fun piece to read. I yes. thought at first when I was reading this, I was like, is this satire? But no, this no. was literally, uh, according to Gawker, penned by the actual dog walker of Gordon uh, Sudeikis Wild. And like I said, it does line up with the timeline that Olivia rehomed their dog so that she could spend more time with Harry Styles. Well, now I'm just concerned about Gordon. Now my heartstrings have been pulled. There's a photograph of Gordon. Gordon. Well, and that that also lends credibility to the idea that this this is a real dog walker writing this because she had a photographic evidence. That's right. I mean, Hollywood dog walkers, they're out there. Well, and it totally makes sense that a Hollywood dog walker is like moonlighting as a, you know, gawker contributor. Oh, yeah. Or that this person wants to be writing and they're moonlighting as a dog walker. Yeah, but it I happens. mean, in Hollywood, what uh, what really consider is what really is the moonlighting? Is right. it the thing you're doing the most or the thing you're doing the least? Well, that's when you become a multi-hyphenate. I'm sure this person is a dog walker, dog barista, walker, writer, barista, screenwriter, giving tours and... Hollywood Forever Cemetery could very like well the one be lady that I met when I was there. And we went on a wonderful tour of the Hollywood mm-hmm. Forever Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Got to see Mrs. Estelle Getty. May she rest in peace. OK, that's the story of Gordon, the dog's dog walker. <sighs> More shall be revealed. 
You know what's going to be revealed when we return, Holly? Ooh, I'm ex- this is exciting. Something delicious. Hey, Yummy. Mike, how many times have you done the Cheat Day Friday before? Uh, two, two other times, three other times, something like that. Well, I think this is going to be the best Cheat Day Friday oh, you've ever I done. I can't wait. I'm not going to say, I'm just going to say, you're okay. going to want to listen to this week's Cheat Day Friday when we come back right here on My Talk 107.1. Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley show where we've got big appetites for pop culture and food, which is exactly where we're headed on this segment of the program in our third hour Fridays. It happens every Friday. Holly, what do we do on Fridays? We cheat. Cheat day. Dirty, rotten cheetah. Cheat day. Taste test. Stick this in your mouth. Now, before we get to our cheat day Friday experience, Deep breaths, Holly. Da, Deep da, da, breaths. Da. I said I breaths. Have, I know I have breaths because oh, we have, Sorry, have I a just very my phone. special guest in the studio, and that is Wisconsin's own Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, Wisconsin's own. Now, Jess uh, is our uh, Cheat Day Friday traveler, uh, our delivery gal today. Thank you. She went to a wonderful Wisconsin favorite. Actually, it is appropriate that... Jess was the one who picked this up because this is Wisconsin's own Culver's. Yes, she's even wearing her Green Bay Packer appropriate footwear today. Thank you. Thank you. um, Jess, would you mind slicing one of those in half so that Holly and Mike can experience this? And I will show the audience the full meal deal of what what we are about to try. Holly, do you want to tell us what we're going to try? Because you actually were um, really... You know, flying the flag over here to get us to taste this. Well, I was flying the flag, Bradley, because we missed our first initial opportunity to eat the Culver's. <laughs> it's so heavy. It's like five pounds. <laughs> Kurter Burger. The Kurter Burger. Yes, it was a limited time only experience at Culver's, but it was so popular that they brought it back again for limited time only, but not just a day. So you can go and get this right now at participating Culver's. Now, Bradley, you are holding this um, majestic burger in your hands. Can you please describe what you are looking at? It literally is soups heavy. Like it is. And I think that the cheese curd. Okay. So for the audience, it's a burger, uh, a Culver's butter burger. You know, typical burger patty with onions, lettuce, tomato, cheese, etc. But then it has this giant deep fried cheese curd patty, which is actually thicker than the hamburger. Yeah, it, it, this, is the, this is the Look most Wisconsin thing that has ever Wisconsin in the history of Wisconsin. That cheese curd patty. Well, there'd have to be like a fish fry and a, a, like six bars. Yeah, and, and then uh, a, in order for that and then to a, be, and then a booyah for dessert. But this burger, uh, you know, when they first introduced Culver's, the Curter Burger, I thought that it was going to just be the cheese curd patty. I didn't realize that it was going to be a whole burger experience in addition. To the cheese oh, patty. So it smells so good. Yeah, I the, love Culver's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, now okay. Mike, Mike is receiving. Mike is getting the now. Um, it's part Holly, of the burger. Why don't you do some uh, investigative smelling? Okay, great. Stick take your take nose. A huff, take take a, huff. a huff. Both of you well, get a nice whiff. I can already smell it. it. This is heavy. I'm is holding it, half holding a half, burger. Like seriously, this is just a half. You, you. Neither of you have had Ooh, this. Yeah. Right? Now we can get the cross section there. It's sweaty cheese. 
I don't know what kind of cheese. It looks like maybe American or cheddar. I don't know what they make cheese curds out of. Can but I bite? Yeah, please. Bradley is taking a bite of the Curter Burger. <laughs> he can, it, it, I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> Bradley or Curter Burger. Now you're trying to get the whole thing <laughs> in your mouth, getting all the flavor sensations. Bradley is contemplating this. I think he is going to um, another dimension, a dimension oh of bliss. God. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, now Bradley, let's. Okay. That's a lot, though. Uh, Mike, why don't you try yours All too? Right, let's yeah. Go, let's yeah. Go. Wow. So Mike is going to bite into the Culver's oh. Carter Burger. Bradley is in a state of ecstasy. It literally, I don't know. I'm a cheese person. Yeah, and you're a burger person. And I'm a burger person. Right. I'm a Culver's person. Yes. I wanted to think that it was too much before I put it in my mouth, just oh, by looking at it and holding it. That's too much. Because one of the things I love about a Culver's burger is it's not overwhelming. You know how some burgers are like stunt burgers and they got like 50 things on them? A Culver's burger is just perfect. It's a perfect mm-hmm. patty, perfect bun, perfect stuff. I'm talking too much, Mike. What do you yeah, taste? Well, what what I love, the game I love to play, because you know, I was in the heart of, of Culver's country yeah. for a long time. And the yeah. one game I'd love to play is you buy some of the the cheese curds, and then you play what color is it going to be? The yellow or the white cheese curds? They oh. actually have a little mixture in here, so you actually get both of that uh, that variety. This is one of the greatest things I've ever tasted in my life. This is unbelievably That's good. Really good. This is probably wow. one of the best fast food items that I have had. Mm. Wow. The they, cheese is not too much for as big as that piece of cheese is. Because, you know, there's already cheese on it, FYI. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's a totally different thing than the piece of cheese that's on the burger. Correct, because you get the you get the crunchy sensation of the cheese curd in addition mm. to the warm layer of cheese. Mm. Yeah, Bradley is having some special moments right I now. I just want to like chew, like enjoy like you want to enjoy a the joy be- to chew because there's right. like all these flavors and it has that sort of what's that word I'm looking for? The cheese is like kind of tangy. Mm-hmm. Like oily, yeah, but it's not overwhelming. I don't know. Well, this... I think it's a good like balance. It's not. Do you think? Okay, so now we're all completely sold. Mm-hmm. Do you think anybody would think this is too much? Oh, you know that Deb would think it's too much. Oh, that's just too rich. Because yeah. I will say this is greasy and it's sweaty, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. It's just that is the description of it. It is yeah, sweaty it... and it's greasy. But I don't th- think it's greasy though. I feel. There's a little bit of I got a little bit of grease. For me, it's a little greasy, but I just I don't know. That's a beautiful, <laughs> that is a beautiful burger. Oh, right. that was just that was um, just magical. Mm-hmm. Mike, what are you thinking? You were smelling. Oh, I saw this, you smelling. Yeah, I'm just trying to get every you know layer of it possible. But no, this is is, is as good as it gets. The you know burgers I, at Culver's are just amazing to begin with. So you get that flavor, you get that like taste, beefy. the wonderful sauce. Oh yeah. Tangy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Also, you know what wouldn't be bad, and I don't think it would be too much. Uh-huh. Bacon. Sure. Why not? One hundred percent. Nothing more, though. I do want. Don't ketchup. do anything more. I want to squirt bacon. ketchup. I'm. 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 Um, I know a lot of people are going to have issues, but I like to squirt <clears throat> ketchup on my burgers. Like mm-hmm. bite. Like I'll squirt a little ketchup, take a bite. Squirt a little ketchup. So take you put a bite. it on the burger. You're not doing the thing where you yeah. put the ketchup on the side and then you dip the no, burger that's what I'm in saying. the ketchup. I will oh, literally yeah. squirt it on a bite, take the bite, squirt another bite, take the bite. Now I will say that this is only available for a limited time only. So you're gonna want to get to Culver's look, as soon as possible. Look, listen to my voice. If you want to try this, you need to try it now. 
because it will go away and you will hate yourself for missing the opportunity. It is absolutely what you think it is. And if you have any desire to eat it, I guarantee you're going to love it. I can't think of somebody like if if it seems overwhelming to you, you're probably not going to like it. Right. Like you can see the people that are like, oh, this is too much. It's like when people go, oh, that dessert was too sweet. It's dessert. It's supposed to be sweet. Yeah. If the idea of a big fat patty of fried cheese on a cheeseburger disgusts you, don't go get it. But if, like me, those tastes delight you, run toward the thing. And the Curter Burger at Culver's is only available until October 31st or while supplies last. So you have 10 more days to drive your buns over to Culver's. And get yourself this Curter Burger. Now, funny enough, this started all as an April Fool's joke over at Culver's. They need to joke more. Yeah. All right. So now the moment... It started out as a joke and then they followed through, I think, in the fall of last year. Yes. For one day only. And then now they follow through. Which we didn't get the chance. No, we didn't. We were late on that. But now it's available till the end of the month. Now the moment of truth. Guys, Bradley... How many Cobras are you giving the Culver's Curterberg I mean, today? You even have to ask. Yes. It's getting all the Cobras. All the Cobras? Five? Five Cobras for okay. sure. I'm so happy. I'm also, I think I'm slightly uh, super happy just because uh, it lived up to its its name. Mike, yeah. what do you say? I know how fast food, I know how Wisconsin works. Next year, they're going to just get rid of the bun and it's going to be two of the patties with the meat yes, in the middle. And I think yes. I'm going to like that even more. All right. But it is five right now. Oh, it's going right, to be Holly? like the KFC double exactly. down. What do you think? Uh, uh, five. This is wow, one of the best. It's a hat trick. I mean, it's rivaling the Magnolia Bakery uh, <gasps> banana pudding. Oh, imagine that best after the burger. Best day ever. You guys, if you missed any of this, check it out on YouTube. Otherwise, run out to Culver's. Get yourself that Curta Burger. When we come back, if um, if we're alive, uh, we have got some celebrities behaving badly. We call that right here on My Talk 1071. Thank you for that, uh, Mike. And uh, we had some more alone time with our Kurderberger. Oh, God. If you missed any part of that, head to the podcast or our YouTube page here on the Colleen and Bradley show. Find out what Culver's Kurderberger really tastes like. It's just fun to say. Kurderberger. 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 Ermagerd. Now, let's get right to celebrities behaving badly. We call them D-Bags. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Who's your D-bag today, Holly? Well, you know, it's Twitter. <gasps> Whoa, okay. Uh, you know, we're just like the behavior on Twitter and people taking things too seriously. And I say this because Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight's, dropped today. And apparently, according to page six, Twitter using Swifties are going after John Mayer because of the lyrics on Swift's new bonus track called Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. And so I just, you know, <laughs> fandom. Tell me this, about it. What's really going on, I Holly? know. I'm, st- I'm digesting this Kurt okay. Burger still. It's okay. This is just a light beef that it's like, hey, let's all remember that these things are made for our amusement and entertainment, yeah, including but, in, but not limited to song lyrics. The uh, the truth is, however, that increasingly entertainment has become as um, polarizing in many ways as the rest of the world. That's great. 
except it's not. So <laughs> people are pointing to some of these lyrics of would have, could have, should have as being about John Mayer. Hmm. Here are some of the lyrics from the song, Bradley. At 19 and the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven. And now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. And now that I know, I wish you left me wondering. And she goes on. And then Twitter goes on to say, John Mayer, be scared. Somebody else tweeted, damn, I wish John Mayer was still with us. I know my guy would have absolutely loved this website if he was alive today. R.I.P. Meaning that Taylor Swift slayed John Mayer Mm -hmm. with these lyrics about him. She is owning him. She is taking back her power. That's right. But we don't even know if it's about him yeah. or not. I mean, that's yeah. the thing with Taylor Swift. But that's yeah. the genius of Taylor Swift, oh, right, I know. man? Her every song launches a thousand tweets. I mean, you know, people you get to. But that's like every successful artist, right? Like you're yeah. going to hunt. Well, I shouldn't say every successful artist. A lot of successful pop stars are able to create this army of fandom that delights in the minutia mm-hmm. of you know, the the, the crumbs that yes. are set beforeth the masses. Because, you know, whether it's Taylor Swift, whether it's Madonna, whether it's, um, I mean, pick your star. The stands. Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Nicki Minaj. They yeah. all have these legions of fans who, you know, delight in any crumb that they can then focus on and delight in. And then troll They in. delight in things they can delight in. But words are hard after that, Kurt I know. It was so delicious. Mm. Please go listen to the podcast and watch the YouTube video later. Uh, sometimes I get a little conspiratorial about some of these comments. And then I wonder, are, like, are these bot armies that are hired to hype in albums oh. such as Midnight's? And so do people actually feel this way? Are they actually this invents, invested? Or are they kind of playing along understanding that their opinion of the Taylor Swift song is they're projecting in a facetious matter. They're just kidding. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, all of the above, probably some yeah. mix therein uh, or thereof. I, uh, again, any fandom you're going to have this sort of, I don't want to say mob because that's not the right word, but this sort of like school of fish kind of, that, that's a good way. Everybody's, of it. you know, moving in this direction mm-hmm. and then, Oh, somebody, you know, over here and then we're coming over here and, <laughs> You know, add that what social media amplifies or allows to be amplified. Mm -hmm. And, you know, suddenly you've got all these people talking about the same things. Now, that being said, I'm very happy for Taylor Swift fans because Midnight's dropped and it's Taylor Swift's first. And you don't want them in your mentions. (laughs) No, I don't want them in my mentions. But this is Taylor Swift's uh, first album of original music in a couple of years. So she's been busy re-recording her song catalog. Do you have a Taylor Swift what do you mean? Like, is there an artist that you, you know, feel that way about? Maybe I used to mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Okay. But at this point, I understand when people don't like the things that I like. Mm. And I let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Maybe I used to get defensive about, you know, something like the Beatles, where I didn't understand why people don't like them. I still don't understand why people don't like them, but I can respect that perhaps they're just not as intimately familiar yes. if only with they the artistry. If they only knew what I knew <laughs> about them. But yeah, no, I think everybody it, has that, whether it's a yeah. pop star or, you know, a film or a writer, or, yeah. you know, but, something you connect with in a way that you don't feel like is being given. Right. But I'm not going to go after somebody if they don't. Yeah. At least not on social media, not on social media. Maybe I'll talk behind your back, but even then, 
Yeah. At this point, she will, you guys. Mm. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, I, that that behavior is long gone. Not invested in anyone like that. So you know, let's just sim it down. Sim it down. All right. Who's your teabag, Bradley? Please uh, reply to Holly Roberts. <laughs> uh, no, um, my teabag. I know you guys are gonna really be confused. My teabag today is Netflix. <gasps> I know, because they have backed down in uh, the royal row by adding a disclaimer to the marketing for The Crown. Ooh, so Dame Judy Dench won. She did! Well, put a disclaimer in front of Benny Hill, too. You know, that has a lot of boobies. Yeah, I know, and and I somehow survived (laughs) watching Benny Hill on TV, probably far younger than I should have, and I was okay, Mm -hmm. without the disclaimer. Although my parents weren't home, probably. Because I was a latchkey kid, so just watching Benny Hill, <laughs> just watching Benny Hill, reruns. ladies running around, boobs. But Netflix, and I turned out gayer than sin, <laughs> despite all those boobies. Despite. No, um, the reason Netflix uh, is my d bag is because of the headline I read you that they have allegedly, supposedly backed down and added a, decl- a disclaimer. Uh, the thing that Judy Dench told us she wanted, Judy Dench famed friend and gal pal of the queen consort camilla parker bulls um came forth with a letter that said like how ashamed we should all be and how horrible netflix is for basically um insinuating all of these lies that maybe made her friend and her friend's family aka her friend's husband aka the king look bad Mm-hmm. In the season five of The Crown. Mm-hmm. So she comes forth and does that. And we are all like, anybody here not think The Crown is real? Or Hello? think The Crown is not think? You know what I mean. McFly, we, this we, is fiction. We all know it's fiction. It's, yes. It's literally a drama series. That said, Netflix has apparently backed down and added the following disclaimer. And let me see if I can pull this up here. Inspired by real events, this fictional dramatization tells the story of Queen Elizabeth II and the political and personal events that shaped her reign. Great. So now can we all just move on with our lives and enjoy the fifth season of The Crown? And we're all going to feel the way that we do about all the royals. And guess what? If we hate Prince Charles, who's King Charles now, who cares? He's fine. Not my king. (laughs) No. I don't live in a monarchy. And I'm proud to, to be, be an American. Now, did you watch the season five trailer, Bradley, of The Crown in oh, its entirety? I got all the tingles. Uh-huh. Mostly, as Mike pointed out, from the soundtrack, yeah. which you know would give you tingles for all uh, mm-hmm. manner of things. But yeah, no, I watched it. And it is going to tell this period. It, it's actually interesting to me because from my perspective, this is not the era of the royal family that I get most interested in. Like I was far more invested when with Matt Smith and Claire Foy, Claire Foy, the first couple seasons, because I that's a, that's a part of history I didn't know. So I felt like I was learning all this stuff. I actually quite enjoyed uh, the oh gosh, my favorite actress now, Olivia Coleman seasons, where she played the queen, because that was another aspect of the queen's life and reign that I was not familiar with. All of the side stories and the rabbit holes that that series took us on. Like yes. so, the first four seasons to me. Uh, I felt very strongly and emotionally connected to. I feel like I witnessed a lot of the last season and probably will have witnessed a lot of this next season. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel as as like I don't know. It's not it's not as interesting to me. I'm I, I'm excited and like I said, I got all the tingles, but I don't feel as like animated about it as a lot of people seem to be. 
Yeah, I, I'm the same way, Bradley. There's a curiosity about it, but yeah. having actually been alive during the drama of season five of The Crown, albeit as a child, yeah. there's, I'm like, I kind of know and have experienced that story. So I suppose the curiosity is how are they going to fictionally interpret this yes. story and how are they going to pull the humanity out of it? And here's what I know that they will do. So I say that going in like, oh, it's, you know, it's Prince Charles and uh, Princess Diana. I feel like I kind of know the deal. But the thing I know about the crown and the ability to tell stories is that they are often capable of adding stories that we weren't even familiar with. Right. And I think that's a lot of what's rubbed people like, uh, Dame Judy Dench the wrong way is they believe that somehow we are going to learn things that we didn't already know. And I guarantee that's not the case because there will be actual stories that actually happened. Right. Right. And then, and we'll all go to the, the Wikipedia or we'll all go to Google after we watch the episode and see like what was real, what wasn't. And we'll be like, Oh, that's fascinating. Huh. We're not just a bunch of like, you know, zoned out boobs who just stare at it and believe everything we see on the big screen is real. Right. You can fact check it. And then you can meditate on the filmmakers' choices that they made to tell a fictionalized story versus what happened in real life. Spoiler alert, that happens all the time in movies and TV. Yeah, I mean, all the time. Again, just think about all of the historical figures that have showed up in films who are probably like, "Uh, hey, Hollywood, that's not actually what happened. And Hollywood's like, guess what? We don't care. We are trying to get butts into seats and we're trying to sell tickets and make a lot of money. And guess what? We don't care either. Because we just want to be entertained. And anybody who walks away thinking they took a master's class in the historical operation of, you know, the the British royal family from, you know, 19, uh, whatever it was, uh, when she was coronated. Uh, in the 50s, 1952. 1950 1952 mm-hmm. to 2022. Um, n- nobody thinks they're getting a master's class in this. They they just want to be entertained. Thank you. So Netflix, poo-poo! Ha! You didn't need to do that. Mm-mm. Get a wet wipe. What? You said poo poo. Get a wet. Get a wet, a wet wipe. wipe. Clean don't up, don't clean do that because those are bad for your pipes. Uh, and then you're gonna have to have Hero out. Call Hero.com. When we come back, we are gonna double down the d bags. Why? Well, the jury is in, and they have decided whether Kevin Spacey is gross. And we'll tell you what they decided when we return right here on My Talk 107.1. In the world, we've got to continue with a whole other segment on the Colleen and Bradley Show on My Talk 1071, fueled by curds. Big, giant, fat, deep fried cheese curds. Curd a burger. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley Show. Let's get right back to those celebrities behaving badly. We call them D Bags. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. D-Bags! Why are we doubling down on the D-Bag today? You Who know, is it? Uh, thank you for Why? asking, Holly. Uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh, boy. Now, I know you're going to say, oh, well, boy. wait a minute. Didn't I hear a headline that Kevin Spacey won his lawsuit? Wait a second. Didn't I hear a headline that Kevin Spacey won his lawsuit? Why did you just repeat what I just said? Well, I thought that that was what we were asking. <laughs> 
Just kidding. But I'm why kidding. are we talking about because Kevin Spacey there was today? A, a headline uh, thus and such: Kevin Spacey trial. Anthony Rapp loses forty million dollars sexual battery lawsuit. That is the civil lawsuit he filed against Kevin Spacey, who's been accused of doing all sorts of heinous behavior. We'll get to that in a moment. But specifically, when Anthony Rapp was just fourteen years old, he alleged that Kevin Spacey uh, picked him up, uh, laid him on his bed, and it was just—it's mm. gross. So that case went forward. We talked about it. I think it started last week. It ended this week with the jury in pretty quick uh, succession deciding that Anthony Rapp did not prove his case. And Mm -hmm. therefore, Kevin Spacey was not liable for the $40 million Anthony Rapp was seeking. Yeah. That does not mean that Kevin Spacey was innocent of a criminal charge. Correct. Because it was, this was not a criminal case. It was just that the jury decided that the evidence presented did not, beyond a reasonable doubt, prove. Well, no, they didn't even have to do of, reasonable doubt. No. It was, they all they literally had to say is who, essentially, who did you believe more? And they said that uh, they, they uh, that what Anthony Rapp was trying to prove was not believable. Therefore, that he was not be successful in uh, getting those $40 million. There we go. Okay. Now, you would then say, as I suggested, and then you repeated, why would that make him a, why would that make uh, Kevin Spacey a D-bag? Because he essentially won. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. He might have won the, the battle, this particular battle, but I'm not so sure he's going to win the war. And here's why. He is facing criminal charges in the UK. Like, those charges still exist. And right. he is going to have to confront those in a way that requires, um, well, a different level of attention to detail than this Anthony Rapp case. And I think by all accounts, Anthony Rapp had an uphill uh, battle, uh, you know, or an up. Oh my God! Words are hard after a Kurt Burger man. It's Friday. Like he he really had a tall order in order yes. to convince the jury about something that happened in 1986. These much more recent accounts uh, and allegations that led to criminal charges in the UK are going to be a lot harder, I think, for Kevin Spacey to deal with than this particular case. So therefore, even though he may think he's victorious today, I'm just saying I, I don't know he's going to be so lucky over in the UK because you know uh, the. Uh, the powers that be are not just going to bring charges for no reason, meaning they obviously feel like they have a pretty solid case to have brought those criminal charges against him. Yeah, and those uh, the charges against Kevin Spacey over in the UK stem from his time being the creative director at the Old Vic Theater. And I say that because they are more recent in time yeah. than the allegations that Anthony Rapp presented in court in New York. And in addition to these criminal charges, Bradley... Kevin Spacey was ordered this summer to pay the producer of House of Cards, Meteorites Capital, nearly $31 million. A judge ruled on that over the summer saying, uh, and um, yeah, so there's a lot of financial stakes for Kevin Spacey, criminal stakes for uh, Kevin Spacey. And again, the, you know, remember this was on the heels of a trial that ended up, I think, getting dismissed where he alleged to have groped uh, a young man in a bar in Massachusetts. And the only reason that case was dismissed was because, well, it's a long story, but it's not because he was found not guilty. So you have all of these allegations. He's been very successful at avoiding any sort of criminal accountability. Mm -hmm. However, that could all change based on those assaults 
which uh, were from far more recent events from, I think, as recently as 2015. Mm-hmm. Those uh, charges over in the UK that he groped several men while he was working at the old Vic. Um, so I just think, you know, again, I hope he's not uh, too excited about, you know, the the situation he finds himself in after this Anthony Rapp verdict. I think probably one can assume for Kevin Spacey, it's just, you know, checking the box on a long litigious list that he has of things that he is facing. And he's working, surprisingly enough. He's in some weird B movie that is over in Europe somewhere. And then sometimes he finds himself in Croatia and then he film films messages and posts them on his YouTube page from park benches. We haven't had one of those in a long time. Holly. So I was going to ask you, and I know you're a very talented person, but in the role of uh, attorney for Uh the Colleen Bradley show today, Holly D. Roberts Esquire is what they call me. Can you tell me what you think the effect on his career will be? Like, does him, quote, being victorious in this particular case that involves Anthony Rapp, do you think that does anything for his ability to work in the United States? Bradley, as a legal expert, (laughs) totally not a legal expert, but... We you know. just it's played fine. the we L.A. Know, law theme. No, nobody wants to work with Kevin Spacey. And I will tell you why. It's because of things like that media rights capital ruling where he owes them $30 million. Kevin Spacey's career will become like somebody akin to a Lindsay Lohan in as much as she wasn't getting work in the United States because she was an insurance liability. Yeah. When a production is goes underway, there's there are insurance policies that are taken out because, you know, things happen just like in life. Movies are subject to the, those terms. So what I'm saying is that nobody's going to want to take risky a, yeah. for people to pony up money to involve Kevin Spacey. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's too so, risky. Which, which I know people are like, well, maybe they shouldn't want to work with him because he's gross. Sure. In a perfect world, we yeah. all get to choose who we work with based on who they are on the inside. But guess what? Sadly, that's not the way the world always works. Um, however, mm-hmm. to your point, you know, I think if, if a studio goes, hey, you know who'd be great at this movie? I think this uh, Kevin Spacey. I mean, I know there's some like question, but, you know, look, Ezra Miller's uh, fronting a... Uh, a blockbuster superhero movie. Uh, let's let Kevin. Somebody's going to come in and go. Yeah. Did you see wherein he cost uh, them thirty million dollars or whatever the losses were connected mm-hmm. to the case you talked about? Right. Nobody's going to want to wade into that because they don't want to end up with you know a thirty million dollar lawsuit. Yeah. And having can, to go after him for. And comparing the case to Ezra Miller starring in The Flash. My spidey senses tingle that there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes of that movie. Now, that movie, I think, is already done. So right now, what Warner Brothers is doing is trying to mitigate the damage that Ezra Miller's reputation is going to have on that movie. Yeah. So one can maybe assume that it's not going to affect the production of that film. And they're already invested. Yes. This is a situation where they don't have to walk anywhere near Kevin Spacey. No. You, you, just, you just go but, the opposite but, direction. But if he somehow comes out without being found guilty in those cases in the UK, then I think things might begin to change mm-hmm. for his career because we do know that Hollywood tends to have a, a short memory when it comes to ne'er-do-wells. Right. Well, right? Yep. he already has some movies on the docket, including 
playing the title role in a Gore Vidal biopic. Okay, no, we're not doing that. Hey, when we come back, Holly's going to play another game Yay! with us. The Master Debaters returns here on the Colleen and Bradley Show on My Talk 1071. For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms today. 